Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, used by over 100,000 podcasters like us to host, promote and track your podcast, and by Riverside.fm version 2.0. Recording podcasts and video interviews in studio quality from anywhere just got an upgrade. We're using it now. It's the 26th of August 2021. I'm James Cridden, the editor of podnews.net here in Australia. And I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Sound Talks Technology. And I'm Evo Terra, and later I'll be talking about podcast apps and why they suck. He will. Podland's a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news. So James, let's get on with the big stories of the week here in Podland, and they're taken from Pod News. How's podcasting doing for Spotify, James? Let's start off with a massive question like that. Yes, well, let's start off with a massive question like that. It turns out the Business Insider got some leaked data from September of last year. 331 million hours of podcasts. They measure podcasts by the hour at Spotify. In that month, September, 18.7% of all podcast time listened to was made by Spotify. So 18% seems to say that Spotify is doing quite well. But Gimlet accounted for just 0.4% of all podcast listening. Now, Gimlet was bought for $230 million. And the Commentary around that from Business Insider is, was Gimlet really a very good investment? And um, I kind of wonder. Mm. Well, it doesn't seem like it's getting much value. Now, Gimlet were a bit peeved, though, because they started putting out on Gimlet Reply All a tweet. What did they say, James? Yeah, they... They, they posted this very strange tweet, basically saying, ever since we were sold to Spotify, we haven't had any control over the ads. And just know that we don't endorse the ad which is currently running. And then there was a pause. And then we meant the ad for the US military. <laughs> um, okay. Somebody at Reply All is not particularly happy about their show being used to recruit new uh, soldiers and stuff. So, as I said on the Pod News podcast a couple of days ago, the children are fighting again. Yes. <laughs> it really yeah. does feel like that. Well, Nick Hilton wrote a good post in Medium about the separation of creators and advertisers. And it feels like it's an old argument. You know, the magazine and paper world used to have this where advertisers want to slam an advert right next to content and it seemed inappropriate he said i expect a relationship between a show and an advertiser in podcasting that i don't in any other medium so i think what he's trying mm. to say is and he might be trying to back uh gimlet which is look if the show's about i don't know cooking is it appropriate to slam an ad for the u.s military right next to it it doesn't seem appropriately related well, yeah. And I think also podcasting is very much closer to the advertisers in terms of, you know, for example, later when I talk to Evo, Evo talks about a feature that he would really like. And I pop in, which you'll hear later, and say, and Buzzsprout offers that. And Buzzsprout is our sponsor. And I talk about that for a bit. That's the sort of thing that podcast listeners expect is that closer relationship. So I think Nick's absolutely right there. You don't expect that close relationship. And indeed, it's very much frowned upon when you look at the print media. Everybody talks about, you know, the relationship between church and state and all this kind of uh, stuff. But actually, I think that there is something there around podcasting being much more intimate 
Um, if you're playing the drinking game, yes, I just did say intimate. Have another drink about uh, podcast advertising. And uh, yeah, so I think Nick's absolutely right there. Now, Matt Deegan also has written about what's been going on with the Spotify figures. And he, he said, it's interesting to see hours consumed rather than downloads, which is what you just said, James. Mm. As a streamer, it's a metric that's pretty exclusive to Spotify. They know what you actually listen to rather than just adding up downloads, which is, Matt, what I've been saying for a long time, that I think downloads <laughs> are dead. As a metric, let's, as an industry, get rid of them because I think it's the dirty little secret of podcasting. You know, you will say to advertisers, yeah, we had 500 downloads or 5,000 or whatever your number may be. As an advertiser, you don't know whether your advert was listened to or not, whereas Spotify can actually tell you how far along the stream the podcast was listened to and therefore whether your ad was. And I think the industry ourselves mm. needs to move away from the CPC model to a CPA model. Well, uh, I think uh, cost per thousand versus cost per action is a different conversation. But I do think certainly that, you know, Brian Barletta in Sounds Profitable, very good website newsletter, soundsprofitable.com, uh, he was saying that Apple actually missed a trick. Obviously, Apple had a bug with some versions of Apple Podcasts recently, which essentially meant that they weren't automatically downloading shows. And he was saying that Apple missed a trick because actually it would be better for the industry if we were to stop automatic downloads now. Um, I think that Apple don't necessarily think that that's particularly fair because I think that, you know, it's just somebody else piling onto Apple and Apple have not had a very good couple of months and I can quite see Apple's point. But um, I can also... Uh, you know, I, I think the point that um, I took out of Brian's piece was that auto downloads shouldn't be the default in any podcast app these days. We don't really need it these days. I'm not saying get rid of downloads altogether. I'm not saying even get rid of auto downloads. But what I am saying is for the vast majority of people, we don't need automatic downloads anymore. It would make for much better stats. It would make for much better information for advertisers and frankly, much better ad targeting as well if we didn't have auto downloads. And instead, when you press the play button, that is the user initiated download that gets the podcast for you. Mm. Well, I think I called it a a bug or a feature when it first came out, and I still think it should have been a feature. Uh, Apple called it a bug. But it's it's a difficult thing, because if you then turn around and you say, well, that's 11% of podcasts which are auto-downloaded and never listened to. We know that number now, mm -hmm. which we've never known in the past. So that's a glimpse into that data because of Apple Podcasts' bug, which means that there are a significantly large amount of podcasts which are out there now, uh, which are never being listened to. It's all priced into the cost per thousand. So I don't think it's a problem for the industry. But uh, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a change in the way that we thought about these things and that actually auto downloads wasn't given to people by default by some of these large uh, apps? And, you know, it's very difficult to get Spotify to automatically download shows. Uh, it's very difficult to get Google Podcasts to automatically download shows. In Pocket Casts, you know, downloading is something which you turn on. But in Overcast and in Apple Podcasts, uh, auto downloads are on by default, and maybe that's the bad thing. Mm, maybe we need a new metric, cost per listen. 
that would be an interesting one. Wouldn't it? Now, James, you've been getting out your napkin as well, going back to Spotify. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to mean. But yes, I did some I did some math or maths, depending where you live. Please, um, please add the S. <laughs> I, got, I got hassled by Harry, who listens to this podcast. And Harry said, uh, no, say, say maths. But anyway, I did a little bit of, um, I, I did a little bit of calculations. If you look at the leaked Spotify data, you can work out. So we know that the average length of a podcast is about 37 minutes. We know how many hours of podcasts were played on Spotify. So therefore, we can work out that there were 543 million podcast plays in total on Spotify. And Spotify is about 20% of the industry. So you can work out then if you include 11% of podcasts being auto-downloaded and never listened to, you can probably work out that there are at least 3 billion podcast downloads per month. And actually, that figure is probably too low because that assumes that everybody on Spotify never bails out of a show early or fast forwards it. So let's assume that two thirds of shows are listened to right to the end, which is um, data that I've seen in a number of different studies. So maybe we have four billion downloads per month in terms of podcasting. I noticed that Libsyn is currently quoting 7.9 billion per quarter for their network. And their network is... Um, you know, not necessarily particularly large. So maybe, again, maybe I'm underestimating it, but, you know, 4 billion downloads a month is uh, not bad, I think. Yeah, no, it's very tasty, that number. Now, the number I thought that was interesting was the 37 minutes, though. Um, and it goes back to, again, if you've got a streaming measurement, you could actually then put a different price point on ads. Anything before 20 minutes, anything in the 20 minutes to 37 minutes, and anything after. This was what, NPR was trying to do with RAD a couple of years ago was to have a much more robust analytics platform that allowed you to know what ads were listened to in a particular show and therefore to be able to report that back on a sample basis and that could be a plan for you know how you pay. RAD had perceived issues with privacy and that was the reason why that didn't get anywhere but um, maybe there's something interesting you know, particularly around what you can do with boosts with um, uh, cryptocurrency, because actually a cryptocurrency payment for this show is being made every single minute. So you could theoretically go and have a look at the amount of cryptocurrency payments and work out some form of audience numbers from that. But um, I think it's a little bit too early to be talking about that quite yet. Moving on, some have pointed out to us that their favourite Spotify produced podcasts have disappeared from their usual podcast feeds. Can you explain that to me, James? Yeah, Spotify has apparently taken a few more shows away from standard RSS feeds and have um, made them exclusive. I think what I have since discovered is some of those shows are actually, they've killed the RSS feed altogether. So if you try searching for it, you still might find that podcast as a ghost in one, in some of the directories. But as soon as you try listening to a show, you find out that you can't anymore. Um, Spotify have explained that the reason why is that they get better stats from exclusive shows because they get the streaming stats, not the streaming universe commas, rather than the download stats. And so therefore, they can use that to make better shows. I'm not so sure. Interesting to see them 
adding a few more exclusive shows. One of those is Serial Killers, which is one of my favourite names for a podcast because it does what it says on the tin. Serial Killers. I wonder what that's a podcast about. Oh, I know what that's a podcast about. It's about serial killers, isn't it? It passes the Ron Seal test. Doesn't it just? No one in America will understand that. No. Or anywhere (laughs) around the world, actually, but there you go. No, frankly. Subscriptions. Spotify has now turned on subscriptions to let all US-based anchor podcasters sell subscriptions. What are they doing, James? Yeah, so anyone with an anchor show in the US can now put their podcast into, you know, a paid podcast subscription service um, with Spotify. And that's all very exciting. They've added new price tiers. You can now ask for your listeners' email addresses, uh, which they can share with you if they want to, which is one of the criticisms, obviously, against Apple. The other criticism against Apple is Apple is keeping 30% of the revenue, whereas Spotify is keeping nothing of the revenue for the first two years and then 5% of the revenue after that. And I think that interestingly coincides with a piece in The Verge where a number of podcast companies are criticising Apple Podcasts for their subscription products so far. Um, Spotify is going to let everybody else, so even you, Mr. Sethi, mm-hmm. uh, sell subscriptions on Spotify if you're an anchor podcaster, probably in September. Um, so we'll be able to buy shows in September, us foreign types. And it basically said, you know, uh, pretty well soon after that, we'll be able to sell them as well. So good news for people who wish to sell their particular shows. Now, do you have to pay the anything to become a creator of subscriptions like you do with Apple? No, you don't at all, from what I understand. So it's just as simple as, um, you know, getting your stuff in there which might be interesting. I I think it'll be interesting to see what Spotify does here. Interesting also to see what Spotify does if I was to create an anchor podcast, put one show in there, sell a bunch of subscriptions and then not do any other shows. I'm not quite sure what recompense Spotify has um, for that. And I'm not quite sure what that means for people that might get a little bit upset about that. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. It's a very different model than the Apple model of paying whatever it was, you know, 20 bucks or 30 bucks to get into this service. And then Apple actually humanly moderates you and checks that you're a good person. Um, my suspicion is that Spotify will work in a slightly different way. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I did read somewhere today, and I'm not quite sure where the figure came from, that only 100 anchor shows so far have made themselves available for paid subscription um, because it has been available in beta for a couple of months. I'm not quite sure of the veracity of that number, but um, you know, again, I think that that's an interesting, an interesting number to see. And for the record, over a thousand paid for podcasts with Apple Podcasts, and over a thousand podcasts are earning value for value with the Podcast Index. So, um, so that's kind of where we are. And by the way, nearly four million podcasts out there. <laughs> so it's still a very, very small thing. Okay. And last bit of uh, Spotify news before we move on. Uh, Spotify has expanded its music and talk shows to 15 more countries, including Germany, the Philippines and Brazil. The service also has a new look, which is very nice. And there are a few examples which mix music and talk. You can look at uh, Brad Hill's Take Cover, 
and you can look at uh, Tom Webster's Deep Six, for example. Mm. Um, it's still a service, though, that I find is 1.0. It needs to move on if it wants to actually do what radio uh, presenters do. Yeah. And I mean, allowing you to mix over the music. Yeah, I agree. And I think that part of that is due to the music licenses that Spotify have. Because if you allow somebody to talk over the music, then you're making a derivative product, which um, Spotify don't necessarily have the rights for. Both Brad Hill's Take Cover, which is a very good show all about cover versions, and Tom Webster's Deep Six. Uh, which is a very good show with six songs which are somehow related to each other. Both of those are pod-faded, if you like. Both of those Tom and Brad have given up on. So what does that tell you? I mean, partially it might tell you that they were just kicking the tyres and trying it out, but also partially that may tell you that, you know, it wasn't necessarily something that they were getting any feedback from, any data from, uh, and didn't feel it was worthwhile continuing. I can't really talk for either, either Tom or for, or for Brad, but you kind of get that feeling that that might be happening. But, you know, interesting to see it being rolled out. There's um, a, a nice, you know, more swish UI, uh, which people might have fun with. And um, But I would agree. I, I think it's not quite there yet as a product. Now, moving swiftly on, this week's, James, and whether you meant to or not, you've been writing a lot, uh, and I've sort of called it discovery. Now, we've got seven different forms of new discovery that we're going to discuss now. In the next um, three hours. In the next three hours. <laughs> pull up our coffee and settle back. Right, what's, what's number one? Number one. <laughs> he says, moving swiftly on. Uh, number one. Did you spot that? <laughs> Phil. Matt Deegan, uh, a friend of the show again, uh, he's been talking about uh, there's too much material around in terms of you probably haven't got enough room to really give Spotify promo value to your acquisitions. Basically, he's saying that the issue with Gimlet and Parcast and Ringer and all the other shows that have been created, Spotify isn't allowing that discovery of those new shows. Maybe that's the reason why Gimlet has only got 0.4% in the Spotify stats. So the question is, should Spotify create a new separate podcast client and make discovery easier? Maybe... We've talked about this before briefly as well, haven't we, James? They have made a separate radio client for their algorithmic jukeboxes, which they trialled in, in Australia. We got something first for a change. Um, so that was nice. I think the problem with Gimlet isn't promo. I think the problem with Gimlet is that Gimlet's stuff appeals to public radio listeners, slightly younger public radio listeners who are not using Spotify. And I think that um, that's the main issue. It's the wrong audience for the wrong product. And I think either that means that Gimlet needs to get younger in its outlook and produce more of the sorts of uh, products like um, Call Her Daddy and Joe Rogan, or it means that Gimlet was just the wrong purchase because it's just not a well-aligned audience. I don't actually think it's a promo issue at all here, but I would also agree that it is really hard. If you've got 300 shows, it's really hard to promote all 300 at once. It's like a radio station. You end up promoting The Breakfast Show because that's the thing that you want to promote. You've got your heroes that you want to promote. Nobody is promoting who the evening show is. He says, as an evening show jock for a year, nobody ever promotes the evening show. They only promote the breakfast show because that's where you get the best bang for your buck. And maybe that's what Spotify has an issue with right now. Mm. I think 
iTunes probably went through this when they were trying to have music and then they were trying to have films. They were trying to have other content mm. and they then tried to create one client, then they separated them out. I suspect Spotify is going through that same tension internally. Do they try and create the Uber client one single app or mm. do they Spotify break it out into two or three apps? I don't and they're know. chucking audiobooks in as well, of course. They've had audiobooks in Germany for a while and they're moving that out to other platforms as well. How's that going to fit into the Spotify UI? So, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be harder and harder for Spotify to promote this kind of stuff. Okay. Now, uh, Discovery 2, and this one I quite like, Podchaser has refreshed their creator profiles, and now you can follow creators across different shows. Mm. Uh, and they've also changed the roles to credits. What do you think of that one, James? Yeah, so they've stopped calling everybody a creator and they've started having a list of credits, which I think is a good idea. So if you have a look at uh, the listing, for example, for Podland at the Pod News website, then you'll find it now says credits and not creators because I was using their, their language as well. It's uh, data that has come from the podcast taxonomy as well, which is helpful because it means that we all know now what an editor is, what a podcast host is, what an executive producer is, and all that kind of stuff. Now, jumping ahead slightly, one of the companies, Captivate, uh, has done something very interesting for Discovery as well. It now sends the podcast credits automatically to Podchaser. Yes, so I'm an advisor to Captivate. I need to say that up front. If you are doing a podcast within Captivate and you're actually adding people to your authorization list, you know, so you can have the host using Captivate and the editor using Captivate and everything else, it uses that as credits, which it then automatically sends off to Podchaser as well. They're using the podcast taxonomy too. Um, so, you know, again, a great plan because it allows anybody who is using a podcast host and Captivate in this particular case to get those credits um, in as a standard fashion into uh, Podchaser 2. Uh, what Captivate has also done, and I just sort of um, mentioned it there around podcast networks, is that they've added podcast networks available to all users um, now. So if you want to run your own podcast network and you want full visibility of how everybody's doing and you want team management and you want a network website and everything else, then Captivate is the place to be because it's it's giving that available to everybody. Um, if you're on the bottom tier at Captivate, I think you can have a podcast network of three or maybe four shows and that goes up as your um, tier goes up as well so um, you know I think it's a good thing although I would say that wouldn't I <laughs> well they've also done one other thing which is they've introduced cross promotional feed drops oh yes yes which uh, Mark is very very proud about um, and that's very clever because it's enabling you to um, put a drop throughout your entire network of a new show that perhaps you're launching and that sort of thing. Um, you've probably heard that through Wondery and other large companies, and now you can do that with uh, Captivate as well. And I know that they are working on analytics around that too, so you can actually see how well that is going for you. So there's some really interesting stuff um, going on there, and I'm, uh, you know, it's a, it's a company which I'm proud to occasionally take part in advisor <laughs> meetings for, and it's, it, it is very, very occasional. But uh, you can really see that that's a company which understands what podcasters want. So that was another form of discovery, and I think. As we'll hear from Evo Terra shortly, one of the things is he's looking for all the apps to start to add more features. 
uh, one of the features I'd love is what Captivate's done is for all the other podcast companies to push their credits up into Podchaser, just making it a simpler way that we can all be then be discovered across multiple other podcasts that we do. That would be nice. Yeah, I agree. And what I would like to see is that the podcast person tag, which is how you put credits into the RSS feed, I would like to see that being implemented by these podcast hosts as well. Um, because I'm sure that Podchaser are lovely, but you know, one, com- one company, one point of failure is a concern to me. So if there's a way of pulling that credits information out of the RSS feed as well, then I think that that's probably where we should be going. And uh, again, that's podcast taxonomy compatible. And so it's uh, well worth having a look at. Okay. Another discovery that you wrote about was Entel has also added a way to follow people as well as films and TV shows discussed within a podcast. It's driven by their proprietary AI technology. So Hannah Blake wrote about this. She said, we've released another feature that's transforming podcast discovery. You can follow people, films and TVs, as I just said, within the podcast, and then you'll be notified whenever they feature in new episodes. So again, nice if you can list people or that you want to know more about and you discover what else they're doing. The difference here is that Entail is using its own AI technology, which of course means that you can then follow any mention of that person or that thing in any podcast which is listed in Entail. So it doesn't have to rely on an individual human being to put that information in. And that's particularly useful for, you know, obviously to films and TV shows, but also, frankly, for brands who would really like to know what people are saying about them on podcasts. Now, continuing the theme of discovery, which I am, Buzzsprout, our sponsors and our good friends, um, they have basically taken on board i think we discussed this many months ago actually you mentioned it being able to put a specific timestamp in a podcast episode and share it yeah that's great isn't it yeah i think that's really good alban brooke gave a demonstration of this on the buzzsprout blog which you should all go and uh, have a look at and he chose this very podcast which was quite a thing <laughs> so thank you alban that's uh, very kind of you and yes what they've done with it is that they've used the standard t equals at the end of the url which youtube uses spotify uses pocket Cast and Podfriend also uses, and that also works on Overcast, even though Overcast has a preferred way that they want you to do it. Um, Google Podcasts, of course, works differently. And of course, Apple Podcasts doesn't let you do that at all. So, um, you know, as is usually the way. But uh, being able to share a specific timestamp and being able to say, go and listen to this bit from here, is a really helpful thing. And I'm sure that that will be a useful plan for the future to actually share stuff on social media. So, Sam, shall we talk uh, GUIDs and tech? No, I think we should talk Evo Terra. Ah, let's talk Evo Terra. You're absolutely correct. Um, Evo wrote a really, really good blog post the other day and also a podcast. He has a great podcast called Podcast Pontifications. And it was all about what he wants to see from a podcast app. So I caught up with Evo and firstly I asked him who Evo Terra is and what is Podcast Pontifications? Evo Terra is a guy who has been podcasting for a very long time, since the beginning of time, actually, uh, since 2004. But 
since 2016, I focused my attention on making a podcast for others, for businesses specifically. My mission in life now, here we are in 2021 recording this, uh, as you know, James, is to make podcasting better. And that's really the whole impetus behind Podcast Pontifications, a daily short-form podcast where I talk about ways we, working podcasters, can make podcasting better. That's a great show. It gives you something to think about when working on a podcast. And you spoke about podcast apps the other day. You reckon that there's a problem with some of the big apps, don't you? I reckon there's a problem with every app. (laughs) I haven't been happy with podcast apps for a very long time. And I think it's finally time that we collectively do something about it. And regime change begins with me. So uh, (laughs) I'm on a mission to try and find or at least make podcast apps better as well. I miss the the simple days of iPodder, personally. (laughs) iPodder X. Yeah. Ray Slikinski and a few others. Yeah. iPodder X. I apologize. Yes, I forgot the X bit. (laughs) Um, So you're You're recommending that uh, people go and try some new apps. So why are you saying that? Well, look, the choices from podcast apps have been kind of stagnant for a long time. And we have the big ones that people tend to use. Like most people like to use, if they're on iPhones at least, the Apple podcast app because it's default. It's what's on your phone. Uh, For the last three years, Spotify has been doing everything they can to get us to migrate to the Spotify system. And now we have Amazon out there. And then we have a slew of podcast apps that have been around since the beginning. Well, not necessarily the beginning, but have become staples. Podcast Addict, Overcast, and a slew of others. And they all do the basic job of giving you access to podcasts, roughly the same. But then they kind of stop doing that. And they each have their own different things that they do well and some of them do better than others. But there are some missing pieces, I think, in the, in what these apps should be doing for podcasters. And it's what I found, James, is really hard to get podcast app developers to actually use their app. And get into it and and really understand how it is that podcasters and podcast listeners want to consume content. Mm, That's interesting. You you, you say you've got a list of must-haves for podcast listening apps. do. That none of them are doing right now. None of them. Wow. Well, they're not doing all four of them. So I have four (laughs) things that I want podcast apps to do. And some of them do some of them, but none of them do all of them. Shall I run through my list of four? Do. Why not? So, number one, I want to be able to create show-level cues or lists or groupings or stations, whatever you want to call them. Now, the reality is a lot of the podcast apps out there do that. But when looking at the new podcast apps, the ones that are being pimped out by the Podcasting 2.0 folks that are enabling value for value and lots of other fun things – You'd be amazed how many of them don't allow that to happen. They'll let you queue up individual episodes, but they will not let you break down the podcast you subscribe to and group them into individual queues. So that if you're in the mood to listen to long-form audio dramas, you don't have to be interrupted by somebody every day putting out around three minutes worth of really cool podcast tech news. For example. For example. (laughs) So that's number one. Yeah. What's number two? Number two Let's talk about those cues. I would like for one very specific cue to be developed. And that very specific cue is I'm calling most recent only, if you will. And here's why I want that, James. You and I produce daily podcasts. 
the number of daily podcasts out there has skyrocketed in the last few years. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go on vacation for a few days and I don't pick up my daily newspaper and I'm gone for like a week, I don't go back and read the episode starting from the day I was gone and get caught up. There's no point in doing that. It's news. It's information that's no longer relevant to me. So I want a most recent only queue that has just that. I get to decide which podcasts, which shows go into that queue. And then the only thing that shows up in there is the most recent episode of all of those, rather than having 16 episodes of, for example, a daily podcast news story queued up for me <laughs> when I get back from vacation. And I hear some people do binge on pod news, and I'm there thinking, Absolutely. What? what? How can you possibly do that? That must drive you mad. I'm with you. Me as well, right? But, but you know, the nice thing is, I just want that to be a cue. They're, they're, all the episodes are still available, right? I mean, it's not like we're removing them and we can't access them any longer. I just want this one simple little cue to say, here's where you can get caught up on the most recent things that you specifically added to this queue. That would be great. So that's Evo's second commandment. What's your third? I want podcast apps to respect RSS feeds that are serial. Ah, yes. Podcasts that are designed to be listened to from the beginning, not the most recent one, right? I mean, you didn't read Michelle Obama's last book from the last chapter. You didn't start on that last chapter. <laughs> no. And you certainly didn't watch the 10th episode of Ted Lasso before you watched episodes one through nine, right? It makes no sense to do it that way. Mm. Every reasonable person accessing a serialized podcast wants to listen to the first episode first. Mm. So why not podcast apps present that to people? I did a little research on this, James. Right now, there are about 42,000 podcasts that are tagged as serial. Mm. And in most podcast listening apps, and in almost all of the, if, if you will, not the, the big ones, and all of the new podcast apps, none of them are flipping the feeds and showing it from the first one first. Weirdly enough, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon actually do this. It's just kind of hard to find the settings. Right, right. Commandment number four. I have beat this horse for a long time, and I'm going to keep on beating it as well. Thanks to the amazing work of the people at Podcast Index, we now have a transcript tag, which goes in our feeds. Wouldn't it be great if that transcript, which is SRT and timestamped nicely, put right there on the player, on the phone, or on the web app, the actual transcript as the words are being spoken? All of the info is there. Timestamps, text, everything. Just display it the same way it works on YouTube closed captions or even uh, those on uh, television shows. Mm. Now we have it re ready in our podcast apps. So that's it. Just those four things. And I'll switch to your app and I'll evangelize it to the end of time. And this is one of the things that I keep on talking to the folks at Google Podcasts about. They already have the technology to add, not just take the podcast transcript um, tag from somebody's podcast, but also add transcripts to everyone's podcast. It's built into Android phones. Sure. And I'm there going, why don't you build this yeah. into your app specifically so that you can go out and say, it's the only app with transcripts for every single show out there. And they kind of, you know, they look at yeah. me and they go, what? 
<laughs> it's really frustrating. Yeah. It's almost like you need to say, uh, Google Podcasts, there's this other app called YouTube. Maybe you've heard of it. It actually will do that. That very same thing I'm talking about, YouTube can, with a click of a button, automatically add transcripts to every single video. So I think that Alphabet, the parent company, has the technology. Yeah. Can you share? You would have that thought, seems okay to you? me. The one thing that I get frustrated at with podcast apps is I look at some of the individual apps and there's a lot of work put into some of the UI, but the actual player has no work put into it. And mm. one of the things that I like about Pocket Casts and frankly like about Google Podcasts is the smart speed. So it gets rid of the yep. gaps and stuff like that. It's not called smart speed because that's an overcast registered <laughs> trademark. Um, yep. And what uh, Pocket Cast also has is something that it doesn't call voice boost because that's another one of Marco's. Um, but it's something that <laughs> makes everything a little bit louder. There are some shows out there, yeah. not this one I hope, but there are some shows out there where mm. you're interviewing somebody or somebody's at the other end of a phone line somewhere and the other person is really quiet and the interviewer is really loud and it's really hard to listen yeah. to. It surprises me that things like smart speed, that voice boost or whatever the generic terms for both of those things are haven't been productized into a bunch of um, Android or uh, iOS uh, player uh, SDKs quite yet. I'm with you on both of those things. You know, um, I, I think some responsibility lies on the on the host themselves whoever's assembling this show oh, the, yeah, the producer sure. but i also think you know especially for the idea of um, let's just call it normalizing the volume and getting everything to a nice 16 minus 16 lufs or whatever standard we're using i like minus 16 lufs mm. you know i think a lot of that could be happening on the hosting side yes if in fact we were uploading wave files which some podcast hosting companies Art19 and Wooshka come to mind, will allow you to upload a wave file and will, Wooshka, I know for a fact, automatically normalize the tracks if you click the little box mm -hmm. to do that and get it all nice and setting. It'll send out MP3 files and then, I know, other alternate enclosures as well for much smaller things. So a lot of that can be happening during the time of creation. But I am totally with you. I use Overcast more than anything else for that voiced boost feature because when I'm driving in my car, there is road noise, and road noise significantly interferes with podcasters who've decided to let some um, dynamic range creativity run free on their episodes, <laughs> and which basically means I can't hear the dialogue, which I think is kind of important to do. So I do love that feature. And so, yes, along with my four must-haves, I think there are some table stakes that everyone should do just because it's the right thing to do. Getting voices normalized, uh, allowing people to uh, adjust the speeds back and forth. Yes, all of these things are, are, are certainly necessary to, to, to make a real podcast app worthy of promoting in uh, 2021. We have a fine sponsor of Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout have a service called Magic Mastering, which does much the same sort of thing. You can upload a web file, if you like, to Buzzsprout, and it will remaster that and uh, sort out the dynamics for you and make that into a lovely MP3 file, if that's what you want. What have you tried so far, then, uh, Eva? What, what's the one that you're using the most? It sounds as if it's overcast, but that's not got all of the features in there. No. What else have you found that's good? So I've been I spent most of last weekend playing around with three new podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com to plug that little free service which details out the new podcast apps. Hit the boost <laughs> button now. Yes. Hit the boost. Yes. Um so Fountain mm -hmm. and Podverse and Podfriend are the are the three that I'm playing with mm. most right now. And I've spoken with the developers in all of those and and they all Love what I have to say. 
But they also say, we are working either on a shoestring mm. budget or we're or no or a virtual shoestring budget. We're we're totally out of shoestrings. Um, or it's we've got a laundry list that's a mile long as we're trying to get to. So it's it's a nice to have. Just be happy we're making <laughs> what we're doing right now. And and I get it. And I am happy with what they're doing right now. I just want to encourage them yeah. to do more. Yeah. And I wonder whether there is something there of maybe taking uh, an open source app and getting a little bit of resource into it to actually make the yeah. podcasters podcast app. Maybe that's a plan for the future, although, you know, maybe that's a bad idea. Who knows? What they could do, rather than trying to play the let's do everything game, uh, I think another great angle would be let's focus on a particular underserved portion of the listening audience. Who's who's not getting what they need out of the current podcast listening apps? I mean, I think it's not a crazy idea to think someone will come along and build a podcast listening app that doesn't have 4 million podcasts in it, but is only designed to, for example, listen to sports-related podcasts. But maybe there's a special way sports podcast listeners want to consume their content grouped by teams or sporting types or various weird things like that. I think we're to the size now where rather than trying to get everybody together, maybe we just make hyper-focused. These are the things that this does. And if you really want the best possible experience in this way – We've we've got an app that does just that. Podcast Pontifications is in all good podcasting apps and quite a few bad ones too. Uh, Evo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for your time, James. And don't forget that that boost button. So there's Evo Terran. I have to say those four uh, wish lists, I guess, is what he's asking for. Are very useful. I mean, what what you know the most recent transcripts, individual cues. I mean, that they're, they're all things that that we want. And it, what it got me thinking about is, again, with all the other features that we've just discussed as well, you know, with with Captivate pushing to Podchase or with Entail doing Discovery, is that we're in a, um, I want to call it a podcast wars, because before I explain that, somebody this week, and I know we're coming to Boostergram Corner, but he, whoever you are, Mark, please reveal your surname, because I'm hoping you're not Mark Cuban. You said something that absolutely the penny dropped for me. You described Apple Podcasts as the new Internet Explorer of podcast players. And the minute you said that, I just went, yep, that is exactly what they are. I was with Netscape during the podcast wars. I was the European product manager for Communicator. And what we were fighting were for new standards. We were fighting for new versions of HTML. We were fighting to push the browser forward. And Microsoft with IE were the dominant incumbent who just dragged their knuckles, didn't do anything, came up with proprietary standards. Do you remember ActiveX, James? Oh, yes, ActiveX. Yeah, and they had so many ways that they tried to kill the industry or turn it into an internal walled garden. Apple, I'm sorry, you are the new Internet Explorer. And I think, (laughs) well, I think that's the title they need to take. I'm trying to make friends with Apple. (laughs) But they're never going to sponsor us, James. I don't know why you're bothered. No, I mean, they're never going to sponsor anything. That's that's not how they work. (laughs) Exactly. But I think what what the funniest thing for me as somebody who is really heavily involved in that time frame is that, Microsoft now use Chromium as the basis for their browser. Yeah, yeah. They've gone full circle. And I hope that maybe Apple one day will actually start to look at the Podcast Index 2.0 namespace and start to say, yeah, actually, 
the industry is working around that and maybe we need to adopt it. I don't know where Spotify fits in all this, by the way, uh, because I can't come up with a good analogy to what browser they would have been, but they're certainly not Netscape, that's for certain. Yeah, cello. Um, <laughs> yes, I mean, I think, I think, there you go, that's, that's showing my age. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that the podcast namespace is something that people should be, particularly Apple and Google, should be looking into very seriously, because I think there's a bunch of very useful things for Apple's current issues with um, not updating shows properly and all of that kind of stuff. There's a bunch of useful tools that can be built in uh, to help all of that work. So I'm surprised that they haven't been doing, you know, more looking into that. Yeah. And going back to Evo Terra, so what he's saying is that lots of smaller apps are beginning to put tools like chapters and, and as we've seen, you know, credits and people support. So is there going to be one of those that steps forward do you think is there a, is there a potential winner out of that that's coming out or or is it too early to see as an, a, an alternative client oh i i think it's very difficult to see and i my hope and my hope has always been that pocket casts or someone similar overcast maybe although that that won't happen grabs the opportunities given to them by the new podcast namespace with both hands and goes away and makes the best podcast app that deals with all of the new podcast namespace tags. To me, that would be the differentiator between Pocket Casts and the incumbents, the Google, the Spotify and the Apple. And I think that would be the absolute right choice for Russell and for uh, Phil, I think it is, to end up doing. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm not the product manager and by all accounts, it, it's not been a fun 18 months at the Pocket Casts um, folks. So I'm sure that they've got a bunch of tech debt that they need to fix first. Um, but that would be my ideal. Now, the other thing that came out of uh, listening to Evo was... It was just something that he was saying all the way through. And you said something as well about Boostergrams as well. YouTube's client actually is really where I think a lot of podcast clients might want to have a look at. I mean, the timestamp thing's now just beginning to come in. So if you take Buzzsprout, mm. uh, you know, because we uh, we use that a lot. So fundamentally, that timestamp thing, which has been in YouTube forever and a day, the sharing capability. Yeah. But they've got comments. But the one that is most interesting in YouTube, if you follow any of the, uh, I know, football ones that I do, you've got this thing called super follows, and which I think are really interesting. They're very similar to Boostergrams, but they're done more often with live streams where you can actually pay $5, $10, whatever, and it is cash amounts. Um, but then the host will see that and it'll highlight up in the comments very differently. And then they can read that comment out. They ignore the rest of the comments, by the way. So the stream could be flying yeah. through and they'll only yeah. look at the super follows. So I wonder whether in a, I don't know, a real world environment where you, let's say we did this podcast live via a client, whether Boostergrams would be that as well. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to stop Boostergrams. I mean, the way that the whole thing has been built, there's nothing necessarily to stop them from using fiat, you know, from using real, real currency. Um, but I'm also very aware that actually the benefit of using the cryptocurrency stuff 
is that it means that it's completely decentralized and no one is in charge. And I mean, we've just seen all of that kerfuffle with OnlyFans. Um, that is kerfuffle which has been driven by MasterCard, who have turned around and said, we don't want people paying for smut uh, with MasterCard. Thank you very much. Could you please stop the smut? And uh, I think, um, you know, that, that that's the concern, I think, quite apart from the individual cost of, you know, of taking a credit card payment. That's the main concern that um, many people in podcasting should have of, you know, just making sure that this is a open thing. But I do wonder sometimes, I've started talking with a few people about uh, Boostergrams being internet tokens, and you buy internet tokens, and you give them to other people. And that's really what a, a SAT is. Yes, you can turn it into cash. Yes, it, it's actually a Bitcoin. Yes, it's cryptocurrency. But at the end of the day, it's an internet token. It's the same as a fairground token when you go into the when you go to the fair or or you know any of that sort of thing. And I think if we think about it in that way, it becomes far less scary. And some people may choose to cash them in. Some people may just choose to hoard them. And that's fine too. Yeah, it's a micropayment system, which we've wanted for a while on the internet. In fact, yeah, I remember listening to uh, Mark Andreessen talk about the one thing he wished he'd created when he first created Netscape's browser was a micropayment system. Mm. He said that was the one thing they wished they'd done. And I know Facebook tried recently and failed abysmally with their micropayment systems because uh, no one trusts Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, and that's why I think a lot of that failed as well. But it's the I think the problem is, is it simple enough? You've implemented it. How easy is it to implement? Oh, it's, it's hideously complicated at the moment, but it is much easier now than it was three months ago. And that's the point, I think. I think it's very quickly beginning to be easier. I mean, this isn't iPod X, uh, as we were talking about with Evo. It's not, um, you know, I mean, I, I was uh, um, trying to tell somebody the other day about, uh, he was listening from Norway, and he wants to help this show and had downloaded Fountain and found the whole thing really, really complicated. And I said, you know, you're probably not young enough to have been playing around with your copy of Windows 3.1 and tried to configure your WinSock. Mm. Um, but you'll remember configuring WinSock and everything else so that you could actually get onto the internet uh, and all this kind of weird and wonderful stuff and how complicated all of that was. And now it's super easy and it's built into everything. I think that's basically where we are at the moment. And I think um, anything that makes life easier and simpler will come and will come very, very quickly. And certainly it's far, far easier now than, you know, as I say, than it was three months or so ago to um, set up value for value and to start accepting SAT. Yeah. So talking of uh, value for value, have we had any boosts this week? Well, yes. Let's uh, play uh, Adam's very exciting, very top 40 Boostergram Corner jingle. And now it's time for the boost, 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 Boostergram Corner. It's too much. And we've got uh, a number of different messages here. Uh, Mary Oscar from Fountain, 769 sats, it says here, although that might not be what Mary Oscar thought he was paying. 
um, because of the way that these things work, I should just point out. But anyway, Mary says, or Oscar says, another great episode. Looking forward to coming on in a few weeks' time. Oh, yes, Oscar's coming on in a few weeks' time, isn't he, from uh, Fountain? So that should be good. He is. Excellent. Yes. Dave Jackson, the podcaster's podcaster. Uh, he uh, very kindly sent us uh, 500 sats or so with uh, Fountain. He says, keep up the great work. Thank you, Dave. Dave has put together a brand new podcast called Leading the Bleeding, which is essentially Dave trying to understand how all of this stuff works and um, working to enable his podcasts as value for value. He's going to turn that whole experience into a podcast, which is really good and uh, it should be well worth having a listen to. Um, That is available now in all good podcast apps and in Spotify. Uh, Nick says he loves Podland. Thank you, Nick. And he sent us 990 sats and he was using Fountain. I think that may be Fountain's Nick. Ah, well. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, And Dave said, uh, thanks for the kind words, Sam. You're the host of a football podcast. You can't let an Australian guy with a Raspberry Pi school, you're on beer styles, yellow card. Thank you, (laughs) Dave. Thank you so much. He said just 20,903 sats. And again, using fountain. Yeah, 20,000 sats is a lot as well. Dave, thank you very much for that. That's uh, very kind. that, That is probably another beer that I can school Mr. Sethi on when I can finally get over to the UK in 2025. Assuming, of course, that you actually have any pubs left or indeed any food available in your country, which appears to be falling apart (laughs) at the seams as we speak. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we we might end up just having to grow what we can find in fields soon. Yes, that's it. Yes, It's, it's quite a thing. And Adam Curry has, I think, sent you a message here, 4,900 sats through CurioCaster. Thank you, Adam. What has Adam said here? Uh, Thank you for considering the uh, podcast index with your Academy fees. Yes, I would. I'd rather pay you, Adam, than I would pay the Academy. I'm sorry. I think think he's not looking for a a promise if I'd rather pay you. I think he's looking (laughs) for some money. Well, (laughs) maybe we might. Okay. Maybe we might send them over. Yes. So yeah, they're great. I, I, you know what they are? They are great because you, it does what you just said, James. It just allows us to know that people are listening and uh, what they think of what we say. Indeed. No, I think it's a really good thing. And I think the easier that we can make it, uh, the more satisfactory it will be for anybody that is doing a podcast. Yeah. So, and I, I fully agree with your comment. I think it will be uh, hidden into apps and, and made very, very simple where you take fiat currency, convert it to tokens sats Mm. and then you can just use them where you want indeed it'll be a good model right lastly buzzsprout going back to them uh buzzsprout has now included the podcast guid into the rss feeds what are guids again just remind me oh so this is a it's a standard way of an id for your podcast it stays with your podcast whoever you use so if you shift from Libsyn to Buzzsprout, and then maybe you shift to Captivate and then back to Buzzsprout, obviously, because Buzzsprout are brilliant, Um, then your GUID will never change. And that means that you can link to your podcast in a standard way, which means that no one is in charge of that ID. At the moment, we're all using Apple ID uh, numbers, and those are not particularly helpful. So uh, it's a great thing to see Buzzsprout are now doing GUIDs uh, fully in their system, and I look forward to more uh, podcast companies doing that too. Mm, I wonder if Apple Explorer will ever change. Now, <laughs> Apple Explorer, ouch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, Mark's given me so much hope with his little statement. <laughs> ouch, gosh. Uh, 
I, I, on the basis of that, I deleted my Apple Podcast Player client. Uh, I've, wow. It's gone. Gosh. Yeah, I'm thing. not going to use it <laughs> until next week when I have to, because there's a feature I'll need to test. But then that'll be that. Now, lastly, and it feels like we are beating them up, but uh, Apple Podcast download bug, uh, again, it seems to be raising its head. Uh, is there anything else that's been said about it? I think Triton Digital had some data about it. Triton have been basically saying with all of the podcast rankers that they produce um, is there's been uh, a significant drop in the amount of podcast downloads. If you compare May to July, uh, so in the middle of June was where um, people were transitioning over to the new Apple podcasts. And if you compare May to July, it's down on average by, you know, somewhere in the region of 10% uh, or so, um, which um, backs up the random number that I came up with earlier on. So, yeah, you can see that that's happening, but you can also see PodTracker releasing um, weekly figures, which I don't typically report on because otherwise that's the only thing that I would be doing. But they are showing that those are um, beginning to increase again as the fix has, uh, has uh, rolled out. So, you know, I mean, good on Apple for fixing that and for rolling it out. I'm, I'm sure, you know, there are lots of things that we can criticise them for, but I think, um, you know, they, they did act you know, sort of relatively fast once they knew that there was a problem. Okay. A few things coming up which might be useful to know about. The Australian Podcast Awards is back for 2021. I'm a director of the company. This year it features a total of 31 award entries. You should take part. It's really robustly judged and I'm very proud of it. So uh, well worth uh, going to uh, take a peek. Just do a Google search for Australian Podcast Awards. There's also the New Zealand Podcast Awards if you're a Kiwi and you say the word dairy a lot. Um, the deadline for nominations for that is September the 1st, so get a move on. And the IAB has announced the final agenda for the IAB podcast Upfront, which is happening in New York, actually in New York between September the 9th and 10th. Um, it's something that allows media buyers to preview new shows coming from podcast publishers and new ad tech tools too. Um, don't see if you can go because it's invite only, but it's a good thing to take part in if you have been invited. And finally, there is the International Women's Podcast Awards, which sure has been announced as the headline partner of. Um, that's already been judged, I understand. The ceremony is in London on September the 23rd. Excellent. I always thought the only way to tell the difference between Kiwis and Aussies was to ask them to say, Fish and chips. Fish and chops. Uh, yes, there is that. Or, um, yes, they call a corner shop a dairy, uh, which is very strange. And, uh, yes, uh, they're a, a strange... Uh, one of the um, clubhouse rooms that I occasionally jump into is basically run by Kiwis. And it's great fun to jump in there and hear all of these uh, Americans aghast at the fact that they're talking to somebody from New Zealand. <laughs> it's always very interesting. So, uh, yeah. It's always a good thing. Did you say Clubhouse? Sorry, is this 19... 19- I did say Clubhouse. Sorry, are we back in January 2021 again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still going, I believe. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Finally then, James, so what else has happened for you in Podland this week? Uh, so I have spent much of the week talking to lawyers about a uh, news story that uh, we're not mentioning today. Uh, so that's good. It's been a bit of a fraught week for uh, reasons uh, best not 
uh, gone into. Um, Sam, what is happening for you in Podland over the next few weeks? Well, my week sounds a lot quieter than yours, that's for certain. Uh, yes. I'm interviewing <laughs> Gary Lineker, the uh, famous footballer oh, yes. and TV pundit. So, the yes. crisp salesman, yes. Indeed, so that's this week. Uh, I just interviewed Joe Royal from uh, any Everton fans out there would know who he was. The Royal but- Family, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Very, very funny. No? Yes. No, unless you're into football, it's not a podcast you want to Again, listen to. Again, all the yes. Americans listening have no concept of what's going on now. I'll just say soccer and they'll be fine. Uh, and this is for your um, uh, this is for your English Premier League uh, soccer podcast, which is called... The Old Spice Boys. Indeed. And you'll find that in all good podcast apps like this one. And that's it for this week. You can come back to Podland next time. Follow us in your podcast app or we're at podland.news on the web. If you have any comments or questions and you'd like to talk to this show as well, tweet us at Podland News. Yes, and if you would like daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast is in your podcast app, and that's where you'll find the links for all the stories we've mentioned this week. Our music is from Ignite Jingles, and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout and Riverside FM. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other previous ones, please tell your friends about Podland, and we'll see you in Podland next week. And also thank you to Headliner for uh, giving us some excellent tools as well. And keep listening. Thank you.